6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Dr. Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Dr. Missler completes his teaching on the book of 1 Kings, chapters 17 through 19. Ahab said to Obadiah, Go into the land, and all, unto all the fountains of water, and unto all the brooks, peradventure we may find grass to save horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. He says, It's a drought. We're trying to save the animals. We're trying to find grass somewhere. So he divided the land between the, them to pass through it. Ahab went by one way and by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and knew he knew him, and fell on his face and said, Art thou that, art thou that my lord Elijah? He said, I am. Go tell thy Lord, <laughs> behold, Elijah is here. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> Go tell my Lord, thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, what have I sinned that thou shouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? In other words, Obadiah says, if he, if he tells the king, that he announces Elijah, the king's going to kill him. The king's had it with Elijah. Yeah. And uh, anyway... As Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and the nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah's here. This is Obadiah's rebuttal. He's, he's not too excited about this assignment. Now there's another side to this so you understand. Obadiah is concerned that if he announces Elijah to the king and Elijah disappears, then he is going to get cooked. You follow me? And that is not without basis. Because Elijah is going to do that. There's going to be times when he does go. He's going to take a, he's going to ride a chariot in heaven. He's going to disappear without much ceremony here. So, so for some reason, Obadiah is fearful of that. See, when they said he is not, not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation and they found thee not. Now thou, now thou sayest, go, tell thy Lord, and behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I thy servant fear the Lord from my youth. Was it not told, my Lord, when I did, when I, when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets, fifty in a cave, and fed them by bread and water? So he's, he's going through his, uh, his, uh, 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 resume, if you will, the, the, the positives. And uh, so, uh, but, um, and now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So this is a big meeting. It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? <laughs> this is Ahab accusing Elijah of being a troublemaker. The truth of the matter, of course, is it's just the other way around, that um, that uh, Elijah is the guy that uh, is the is the good guy, and uh, Elijah is going to maintain the initiative, 
He says in, in, in verse 18, He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. In other words, Elijah just goes, it's interesting, he, here, he, he's dealing with the king of the northern kingdom. He's a powerful character. And in secular sense, he's a very successful king. But he doesn't, Elijah doesn't give him any quarter. He says, I, he says I'm not the troublemaker, he's saying. I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and has followed Balaam. So he's the, he's the problem. Elijah sets the record straight. By the way, the word Balaam is the plural of Baal, of the local idols, idols of Baal. They go by a lot of different names, Baal, Bereth, Baal, Zebub, and so forth. But uh, the, 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 uh, the, and that's the root cause of all the problems in Israel. Well, he continues, and now therefore, and send gather to me. Elijah's setting up a situation here. Let's pay attention to this one. Now therefore, send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, or Ashtoreth, if you will, 400. So it's actually 850 of the pagan priests that he's calling up here. These are all that those that eat at Jezebel's table. See, Jezebel didn't just worship Baal. She enforced it. This was her entourage. This is quite a group. So that's Elijah's challenge. And so Ahab sent to all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And we have the setting of one of the most dramatic events in the Scripture. Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long will ye halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah to the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. And let them choose one bullock for themselves. In other words, you guys get first choice. And cut it in pieces. And lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods... And I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, Ah, it is well spoken. And they're ready for this. <laughs> now this is quite a setting actually. The, the uh, um, Mount Carmel is a range of mountains about 1,740 feet above uh, uh, sea level. It extends about 30 miles uh, southeast from the modern day Haifa on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. It's beautiful. So it's around with peaks and valleys and so forth, from which the sea can be easily seen. It's a very beautiful sight for all of us. But the extent of Baal worship can be measured with 450 prophets of the male god and 400 of the female goddess Asherah, Baal's consort. But anyway, they agree on the site. They agree on this challenge. And uh, so it uh, this should give uh, the... Uh, the Mount, by the way, Mount Carmel was regarded by the Phoenicians as the sacred dwelling place of Baal. One reason that Elijah picked Mount Carmel is beautiful, but that's not the reason. It was considered the sacred site of Baal. So Ahab was probably pleased because this would seem like they have an advantage here, at least in their own mind. Of course, Elijah wasn't worrying about that too much. <laughs> how long shall ye halt between two opinions? Or putting more precisely, how long will you go hobbling between the two forks in the road is what it actually means. Um, well, it's calling for a clear decision. Not wavering. And uh, so 
No. Okay. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose, oh, let's see. Yeah, uh, choose one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. So he's giving them first choice. For ye are many, and call the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them and dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. This is a half a day. Saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, <laughs> nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar that was made, and it came to pass at noon. See, from morning till noon, Elijah leaves them alone. They're going through their routines, and they're calling on Baal. Of course, nothing's happening. But about noon, Elijah starts getting <laughs> kind of nasty. He says that, that it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them, said, Cried aloud, for he is a god. Either he's talking, in other words, uh, he must be in some conversation. He must have a cellular phone or something. Or, and, uh, or he is pursuing, is what your King James says. And uh, we'll indulge in giving you a translation of what pursuing means. Uh, this is, of course, the, this whole thing is, uh, he's mocking their ineffectiveness. And he's getting very amusing. He's getting very sarcastic. But what the word pursuing means is relieving himself. Um, so he's saying, uh, cry loud, for he's a god. Either he's talking, or he's taking a leak, or he is on a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. See, see Elijah is just rubbing it in. because they're, they're, And what they do over there, he said they cried aloud. They cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancelets till the blood gushed out. So they start mutilating themselves. This is their way of trying to express uh, intensity, or their fanaticism, or their uh, whatever you want to call it. And... Uh, they're trying to use their mutilated bodies as a... It was a very common pagan custom, obviously. And so they go through all this, and of course nothing happens. came to pass when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. They take most of the day here. It's drawing, to, drawing toward sunset. And uh, that there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Then Elijah said unto the people, Elijah said to all the people, Come near unto me. Gather around, guys. All the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Can you picture this? He waits till the end of the day. Then he starts picking up the blocks of this ancient altar that had been in disuse. He took twelve stones, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob. All twelve. Not ten. All twelve. Unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. Or a couple of bushels, I guess it is, as I recall. And uh, Now this is where I like to highlight the golfers, because see, Elijah believes in a handicap. He's going to introduce something that he hadn't mentioned before. He put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces, and he laid him on the wood, uh, and said... Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Well, Carmel is near the ocean. I don't know how long it took to go get the four barrels, but anyway, they did. Four barrels of water, put it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. So he's dousing his challenge in water. They're going to call down fire. He's going to douse it in water first. He said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. He's looking for a handicap here. He's going to, you know, beat them with one hand tied behind his back, so to speak. 
And the water ran down about the altar and filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering at the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, a simple little prayer, he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. You know, that's interesting. Usually Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? But Jacob's the fleshly name. In the scripture, when he's in faith, they always call him Israel. When he's in the flesh, which is most of the time, it's Jacob. And we speak, Abram, Isaac, and Yaakov. But here it's Abram, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. And guess what happened? Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. Didn't come down to start a little fire and cook the meat. No, it wiped out the whole enchilada, whole thing. <laughs> and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Can you imagine being there? This was very impressive. And uh, up till now, he'd say, wow, I'm impressed. But you notice the story doesn't end there. Next verse. And Elijah said to them, take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon. And what did he do? He slew them there. He didn't mess around. No namby-pamby stuff here. No second chance here. He nailed them. Elijah said unto him, Get thee up and eat and drink, for there is sound of abundance of rain. And of course now the rain comes after three and a half years. So that's kind of interesting. That's kind of exciting. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. He said, go again seven times. And it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, for the rain, that the rain stop thee not. It came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and with wind, and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. That's uh, that's uh, what's before Mount Carmel is a huge valley. A little bit further down, south uh, east, is Megiddo, um, uh, yeah, the Tel Megiddo, and uh, that whole valley. The other side of the valley is Nazareth and so forth. The plain of Jezreel is in front of him. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So Elijah splits. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. You know, it's kind of interesting that uh, every time you have a major high, a major victory, as obviously Elijah did, this is a classic passage, it's fun to do, and it's, uh, I feel a little under time constraint to not to get into too much detail, but I think it speaks for itself pretty well. But the interesting lesson here is whenever you have a high, what can you count on? A low, a test at least, a test of some kind, and Elijah's no exception. So we get to 1 Kings 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And I bet you that re-impressed her, huh? 
Just slaughtered your 450 priests down there, by the way, kid. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, Let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as, as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She's upset. <laughs> and when he saw that, he, Elijah, he arose and went for his life. And he came to Beersheba. Now if you go from the north, way up, way up in Haifa now, roughly in that area, it's going all the way down, not just to Judah, beyond Judah, way down there to Beersheba. That's about, if you're visiting Israel, that's about as far south as you normally go, because the, it's, that's in the Negev, the, 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 uh, the, uh, uh, University of, 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 of uh, Jerusalem, Negev is, is the desert, that's where they test projects in the desert. It's, it's, you, you, I've been down there once in my life because I was a guest down there for something at the, the present university. But, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's way, way down there. And uh, anyway, he goes down to Beersheba, which, belonged, which is in the south, and left his servant there. He's not through running. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And here he just had this incredible, excuse the expression, mountaintop experience. With uh, and, 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 But Jezebel and her power is coming after him, and he is in flight and wishing for death. I won't ask for a show of hands how many have ever felt that low. There have been some circumstances in my life where I felt that low. And I hope I never forget what it felt like. But um, when you get that low, then you, the only, you, you, it comes, you come to terms with the fact that God is either in control or He isn't. But here's Elijah saying, Take my life, for I am not better than my father's. As he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him, said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on coals and a cruise of water at his head. He did eat and drink and laid him down again. Who was this angel? We don't know. I personally suspect it's the same guy that cooked breakfast on the Sea of Galilee in John 20. Remember the disciples after the events of the crucifixion and all that? They, and they had an upper room experience and what have you. They were supposed to tar, tarry. And they said, Peter said, I go fishing. So they fished all night long, caught nothing. They, early in the morning by the seashine, they saw a man standing. He said, catch anything, guys. He says, no, put your net on the other side of the boat. Like the fish should know the difference. And of course they do, and it gets full, and Peter, John realizes who it is. That's the Lord. Peter dives in, and, and, and when he gets there, he's cooked breakfast. The Lord has cooked breakfast that morning. Very interesting scene. Very, last, very important scene in John 20. Anyway, um, getting back here. The angel of the Lord came again to the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. You know, it's interesting. Here's Elijah, a robust guy, man of the outdoors. Uh, a no-nonsense guy, but he too can get discouraged. He too needs encouragement. He too is exhausted, physically exhausted, on, in flight. And the uh, Lord's ministering to him. And he, he arose and he did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mountain of God. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Forty days and forty nights. 
It's about probably about 140 miles from Beersheba down to Jabal al-Laws. Um, could have done that maybe in half that time. But uh, anyway, maybe he got there and spent the time. Anyway, he came hither to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts and for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. He's down. And he think, he, there's also a, a very terrifying word, very terrifying word that characterizes Elijah. The word is alone. He feels alone. He obviously isn't, but he feels alone. Terrifying word. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains, wow, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Just a gentle whisper. How interesting. The still small voice in the Hebrew really says a sound of gentle stillness. I suppose the English word whisper comes as close as we can come to that. What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord of the hosts, and because of the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return to thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. He's going to anoint the king of the Syrians. This is again Gentiles. And Jehu, the son of Nim Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. This is the first mention of the successor to Elijah, a guy by the name of Elisha, in uh, in the verse 16 there. Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Elisha is a young guy that's going to bird dog Elijah in the hopes of being his follow-on. He's going to make a real nuisance of himself in some respects. He turns out to be a very, very interesting guy. You talk about chutzpah. You know, most people that read the Old Testament are familiar with Elijah and these fantastic exploits of Elijah. Elisha is going to pray, I want a double portion. I want to be twice as anointed as Elijah. That's called chutzpah, okay? Well, if you count up the miracles of Elijah, I think you'll find there's eight of them. If you count up the miracles of Elisha in Second Kings, you'll discover that uh, there are 16 of them. <laughs> Looks like he got his double portion. There's more to the story. We'll leave that till we get to it. But in any case, there's some prophecies here that uh, are important um, to uh, that uh, I want to touch upon. 
gave him three assignments, to anoint the Haziel, the king of the Aramaeans in Damascus, to anoint Jehu, the king of Israel, and to anoint Elisha, who's going to be his successor. And these three individuals are very different in their jobs, and yet they would be united in humbling the house of Ahab. That's what's going to put them in common. It's going to complete the purge of Baal worship that Elijah had begun. And uh, so, actually, Elijah is the only one that did these directly. The other two were done through Elisha's protege. And uh, that's all documented in Second Kings as we get there. But then God, and this is something else, he says, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So, see, Elijah thought he was alone. But God had his own 7,000 that Elijah didn't know about. We need to remember that. Often we think we're the only ones in the, in the fray. We need to realize God has his own that we haven't even met yet. So he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. Plowing with 12 yoke of oxen? Man, he came from a wealthy background. And he with the, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. That mantle is the symbol of Elijah's anointing as a prophet. And he cast that mantle on, on Elisha. Very symbolic act. We'll have much more to say about that mantle later. There's some surprises uh, that I'll come to when time comes. Anyway, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? I was, you know, see to it, do what you're going to do. They returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, gave to the people, made it eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So ends the session seven. Let's take a cookie break if there's any left or some coffee. Let's take a, no more than a ten minute break and I can still get you out of here before 9.30. All right? We're going to encounter in the next session a clue that will unlock a very critical portion of the book of Revelation to you that many people overlook. So we'll get into that in the next session. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Dr. Chuck Nussler, teaching through the book of 1 Kings. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.